Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Liz Kelly. With the NFL season a week away and the Ringer's fantasy football coverage gearing up, we have released our first ever fantasy football Hall of Fame. We assembled a panel of voters, including Bill Simmons, Cousin Sal, Robert Mays, Mallory Rupin, and more, to induct the 25 best fantasy football players of all time. You can find the rankings by going directly to fantasyfootball.theringer.com. And for more fantasy football coverage, check out the Fantasy Football Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yo, yo, Ringer FC. Danny Kwak here, East Coast Bureau Chief of the Ringer. Joined from LA by my illustrious colleagues, three of them. We have Shakar Saman. What's going on? Micah Peters. What's good? And what's that, folks? It's Chris Ryan's music. What's up, Chris? Deadline signing. <laughs> it's, a, it's a loan deal, though. <laughs> Donnie, you have to pay my wages. Do we have an option to buy, though, is the question. <laughs> Let's see. You have to talk to Mino Rayola about that. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to talk on this episode about that European transfer deadline, as well as go over the North London Derby, Sadio Mane, you mad? Champions League draw, and then predict which Premier League team might break into the top six this season, among other topics. But first, here's a quick PPP Prem Points Pool update after four matches. Shakar Saman, you're in the lead, bro. I want all of you to just really just think about all the mistakes you made during this early draft. Early days. Dude, early don't September Heisman. Days. Don't September Heisman. Too early. I'm going to take this all the way early. to the wire to wire. Okay. Let's see after this boxing is, This is city in January, man. Yeah, Shocker followed away by it. Connor, followed by me, followed by Miles. Micah still in last does place. Micah We're get, right there, though. Does Micah We're get right relegated there, if this happens? We're right there, though. Yeah, he you will get relegated. You should get relegated, relegated <laughs> off the pod. <laughs> Micah, how does it feel to have just like one point more than half of me? Um, you're in here in the studio with me. You're not in New York. So you, <laughs> <laughs> relax. Sh- Shocker you know where my desk is. Shocker actually has three teams, City, Leicester, and Crystal Palace, who won six of their last six points. So that's how he's kind of built a lead. Chris, you weren't in the draft, but just eyeballing these squads. It looks like Shocker's to lose, huh? Yeah, I think Shocker's going to walk away with it. The Pep Guardiola of picking other people's teams is really going <laughs> to... Is really going to do it again? Uh, yeah, but his his the the Leicester Crystal Palace picks seem very astute right now. And I was bullied yeah, on the podcast the for taking four. Crystal Palace. Yeah. All right, let's get to the goal kick. Let's get into the top five stories of the week. All right, the European transfer window closed. Chris, you mentioned it. Uh, I guess the biggest the biggest names were the ones that didn't move. Of course, I'm talking about Paul Pogba, Christian Eriksen, Neymar, Gareth Bale, Mustafi. Uh, but there were some big signings or big deals. Uh, Mario Icardi went from Inter to PSG. Alexis Sanchez went to Inter on loan. There was a host of moves, actually. I don't know what, what stood out for you guys. I'll start with you, Chris. I think the, the thing that stood out for me is what didn't happen. So obviously, there was a lot of big names that have been rumored to move. Pogba, Eriksen, Bale, etc. And I think what we've got on our hands and, and somewhere, somewhere, like, Ryan O'Hanlon is rolling his eyes at this statement, but I do think that um, the market for these these like top six, seven teams that can actually afford these players has gotten a little bit um, frozen because of the fact that like these deals are so huge, these wage packages are so big that 
it, they're really like having a difficulty moving guys like this to anywhere but like maybe China. Yeah, I've, I'm glad you said that because I was actually talking to Ryan about that this past weekend because he's just kind of like with the Erickson situation in particular. He's uh, 28, going to turn 29 pretty mm-hmm. soon on the last year of his deal. Same thing with Vertonghen. Uh, they just have this weird situation at Tottenham right now where there's only maybe four or five clubs rich enough to afford the two of them, and they're all too smart to buy a 29-year-old with a large wage package. And, you know, like when they could just go just as well, go scout somebody from somewhere else. Yeah, this isn't That's, like, uh, this is an old baseball reference, but this isn't like the Yankees getting David Cohn at the trade deadline to like help them in the pennant race. Like you can't sign Erickson for the amount of money that Tottenham would ask for. Yeah. And then be like, but we don't really need a 30-year-old midfielder next season. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, and 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 what now, be that as it may, it sounds like in the Daily Mail today, take that as you will, Manchester United might make a bid for Erickson in January. Sure. So th- th- there's all there's still some things that could happen. But with Bale, with Neymar, with Pogba, you're talking about FIFA cover stars, like guys who sell tons of tickets, tons of jerseys, are huge icons in the game. And they couldn't get a move, which is so different to like, say, NBA or or even NFL, where guys can just be like, I have a little bit more control over this. I just wonder whether or not like the 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 wages are so high that teams are just like, unless this is a 100 percent win for us, we're just not going to bother. Yeah. Well, I mean, like also there's tied up. There's a there's like, you know, other stuff tied up in that, too, like. Manchester United maybe not wanting to admit the project is over. PSG kind of with the same deal. Like, because uh, the way that they talked about it when PSG signed Neymar in 2017 for well, 250 million or whatever, <laughs> it was just kind of like we are tipping the power access mm-hmm. of like Europe. And then like now it's two years later. And well, it's not even admitting the project is over as much as taking a huge loss. Yeah. Because it's like they're not going to get the price that they paid for Neymar back for Neymar. Absolutely not. And then you're looking at like the second tier of stars like Alexis. Now it's kind of in trend or on vogue for these for these guys to go out on loan and with teams kind of like splitting the wages. So that's like another sort of uh, transfer trend, you would say, because usually, typically, you see players go on loan. They're usually youth players, right? Just looking to get experience. But now it's teams that don't want to fully commit to getting an aging star with no resale value. And it's just kind of like... You need to change the scenery. And I think that makes a lot of sense going back to what we were talking about with wages. You see a guy like Paolo Dybala who didn't move Mm -hmm. because I think we all mentioned it the last time we were on the pot. His wages are enormous. These guys, Coutinho, whoever. Also his image, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's a whole other thing. But just it's not just these top guys who are getting paid a boatload and their transfer fees are through the roof. It's that second tier of guys who are just really good players but are being paid like we were paying superstars five years ago. Sure. And the rest of these clubs can't afford it. Yeah, but the Dybala situation is pretty interesting because, you know, to hear a lot of Italian football experts talk about it, Juve's in a position where they're essentially like trying to offload money to afford Ronaldo. Mm -hmm. So that's why they're more in the market for guys who are, guys like Ericsson, who they can get on a free, then Mm -hmm. give huge wage packages next season. Like that's been- When the money's off their books. Yeah, but like they right now are in a position where they have to sell to buy and the guys that they're selling in previous years, like they sold Pogba, they were looking to move off of Dybala. So they're almost like a, a fascinating case of like, it's like the guy who only ever goes up a thousand or down a thousand in blackjack, yeah. but never is like steady, you know, or yeah. maybe it is the most, that's the most steady way of being. I don't know. Yeah. Well, they weren't all loans. There was a couple sales, including Javier Chicharito Hernandez from West Ham to Sevilla. The Daily Mail was reporting, speaking of salaries, 
he's taking a 92,000 pound per week decrease in salary for that move. I Imagine think, that, guys. I think the taxes are better. Or, yeah. <laughs> it's, I think the taxes or, are murkier. Or, or you can just hide rather, it easier. Murkier. They're better at hiding their taxes. <laughs> yeah. Murkier is You get a slap on the wrist and allegedly. get told not to do it anymore when you just put all of your money in yeah. some I mean, like, we'll bank. know yeah. if, you know, like, he, you know, comes out next match week in Platinum Blonde. We'll know for <laughs> sure. And yet, also double-clicking on AS Roma's moves. Interesting loan moves. They picked up David Zabacosta from Chelsea, Chris Smalling from Micah's United, and Henrik Mkhitaryan from Arsenal. So they're kind of assembling the all-time mediocre Premier hey, This squad. is a real, like, I challenge myself in FIFA team. <laughs> yeah. Like, can I build a squad out of just cast-offs from the big clubs? <laughs> you have, like, a mediocre wage yeah. budget, and you're yeah. like, let's see what I can just, do. Maybe I could revive Frankfurt. <laughs> and I'll I'll just I'll do it by getting Mikatarian and Smalling and a combination of like young Americans with high potential that you can get for seven dollars a yeah, week, right? But to be fair, they've kind of Eden Dzeko, Kolarov have come from the Premier Premier League and kind of rejuvenated themselves at Roma. So who knows? All right, let's move on. Number four is Mohamed Salah too selfish, Chris. That's a question for you. Of course, everybody yeah. saw in the Liverpool three 0 win over Burnley, Sadio Mane who had already scored was substituted late in the match and was furious. Uh, moments earlier, Salah had a break, clear lane to pass to Mane, instead decided to shoot. And not for the first time, Salah kind of spurned or, you know, uh, didn't pass when he could have uh, in shooting instead. Mane was pissed off, kind of stalked to the sideline, yelled at everybody, yelled at Hendo, threw his, you know, jacket on the ground, etc. Now everyone's kind of speculating that and kind of digging into the statistics about Mane feeding Salah, Salah feeding Mane. Is Salah, Salah too selfish? Is there some unrest in the Liverpool dressing room? What say you, Chris? Yeah, I think they should probably just disband the team. <laughs> they, they should probably just call the Premier League and say, like, you know what? Here's the certificate. Uh, it turns out this this was a huge mistake. Um, and, you know, let's just all become Everton fans. I can't possibly quantify how little I give a shit about this story <laughs> in a sincere way where I, like, really give a shit about this story. But I just think it's, like, the funniest thing. If you've watched soccer for more than one day, what do you see? The big-time striker being like, pass me the ball every time. <laughs> Thierry Henry, Rude Van Nistelrooy, Wayne Rooney, everybody in the history of the game is, like— Feed me, Seymour. Yeah. And so you've got three of these guys. Now, Firmino is obviously like the workhorse of the tr of the front three. But that's what makes these guys great is that they think that they deserve the ball at any given moment. And now there is some talk about like how uh, I think it was uh, maybe it was Carragher. I can't remember who said this weekend, but it was basically an observation that if Salah doesn't get his goal in the first 60, he spends the last 30 essentially going hero ball and trying to get it. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I also feel like he's he's also like, if he scores a goal, it's still good for Liverpool. And it's very rare that I'm like, man, we lost that game because Mohamed Salah did not like look for Mane in the last second. Mane gets his goals. Salah gets his goals. It's very rare that we get strike forces like this where like the goals are pouring out of them like this. And I think that this is just, this is like healthy competition. It's yeah, like, I want Mane to want that ball, you know? In his defense, they were up 3-0. So, I mean, it wasn't the worst thing to go. I mean, it wasn't like the game was on the line. I don't know, yeah, Shaka, Micah, like, just from my eye, though, it seems like Salah, of the three, is probably the most selfish one. Would you uh, say that I mean, Thierry like, Henry was the most selfish Arsenal striker? He definitely was, but it's a, it's a different team. It's not really—it wasn't really—he was built as, like, the lone striker, so— 
And also, he created a shit ton of gold. So did so did Salah. But. I mean, like, I mean but yeah. a, a number of things are true here. One, like, selfishness is part of the profession. Two, like, you are always going to have these kind of bust-ups in between two high-powered strikers that want the ball all the time, need the ball, don't necessarily need the ball to be good, but need the ball to score goals. On top of that, they get massive bonuses for scoring in these games. Then three... Like, yeah, it was a 3-0 win against Burnley, but Manchester City won 4-0 earlier in the day. Like, it's kind of like this this kind of image where, you know, they need to be perfect in order to win the title this year. I mean, like, that's right. what we've been talking about. And I'd also just go ahead and say, like, I don't care if Salah is selfish because if you look— I, So I broke down, like, the raw advanced numbers over the past three seasons for these guys— Salah is averaging more than two-tenths more expected goals per game mm-hmm. over the last three years than Firmino and Salah, or Firmino and Mane. Uh, he's averaging more expected assists per 90 per game. He's got, like, he he's on every single metric, the best attacker, the best build-up player. I, I don't care if he decides, to, like, to try to get his at the end because, you know what, If is it the worst thing in the world of Salah for the last 30 minutes of the game is just, like, Forget it. I'm just going to try to get mine. He's one of the best attackers in the world. So the the background on this also, what Donnie alluded to, was that Henderson had been pulled off out of the game, but he had like a dead leg. I guess Mm -hmm. uh, earlier in the game, or even perhaps like in a different game, like Henderson had really like laid into another player about It was the Arsenal match. Yeah, and he had gotten after it with Mane, I think, maybe about, you know, oh, you didn't track back for this, or you didn't find this guy open. And when Mane got pulled off, he was yelling at Henderson, like, how come you're not yelling at Salah for not passing to me? And then he was just sort of like, and Mane was like really pissed off about it. The best part about this was that there's this great Instagram of, because Milner eventually went over to sit next to Mane. And the, <laughs> I think Milner said, he was just mad because I wasn't being brought on. <laughs> he was like mad on my behalf. I think that this is just also an example of Man City, Liverpool, I'm sure Tottenham, even Arsenal, like these teams have such highly, highly, highly detailed game plans where so many of the actions can get broken down into cause and effect. And like you, you're supposed to stay in this zone and this action triggers this action. So there's a lot of like, hey man, accountability going around. Yeah. And I think the same thing goes for on attack. Like they're like, hey, if this player is showing this, you have to find that. That's your job. Like you're, that's your fault that you didn't do that. So it gets into a person's head when you're just like, if there's a lot of accountability, you can be like, well, how come you're not being making this guy feel accountable? Yeah. So I think that there's like a very ornate thing happening here with the style of management. We saw this a couple weeks ago when Aguero was coming off and he lost it at Guardiola because Guardiola had been riding him about missing an assignment on the field. And he was just like, two other guys missed an assignment. You're not riding them. It's, it's just like tensions run high. Also, Mike and I were talking before the pod. And these these two teams, City and Liverpool, cannot drop points. They like they are in a league by the. It's just it's La Liga now. It's the two of them. It's a two horse race. They, it could come down to goal difference. And it's it's even in three nothing Burnley games. You're going to see tensions going pretty high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's it's just kind of like that's also just what it takes to achieve a certain level of success just kind of you see clips of all the time on like match of the day or goal zone or whatever of like Guardiola ripping Leo Arsane for you know spending more than four touches on the ball in a 5-0 game like it's that's just what's necessary mm-hmm. do we all agree that of Liverpool's vaunted front three that Bobby Firmino is the most valuable <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by valuable specifically 
the most irreplicable skill set? I I have a hard time choosing between my three sons. Yeah, but I understand what you mean. Yeah, because you it. could you could put Obama Yang. To, it's very, uh, it's very, it's, right. it's a very specific amount. thing that he does. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. very hard to find a nine who's like, my job is to press and, and, and make sure like I start play. Cause he's essentially playing the 10 and the nine, especially yeah. when they play like the Wilnaldum Fabinho Milner midfield. That's just like all kicks. Yeah. He has to essentially be the main playmaker. <laughs> I should add, I think that his goal, Firmino's goal against Burnley put him at 50. In the Premier League, which is hmm. the highest total ever by a Brazilian, which is a little bit surprising. Oh, All right, let's move on. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of Aubameyang, we had the North London Derby. 2-2 draw at the Emirates. Very entertaining match. Spurs went up 2-0. Arsenal scored at the death of the first half. And then Aubameyang in the second half. Squeeze out the draw. Fair result, guys. What'd you think? Uh, I mean, why don't you say so, man? I would say it was a fair result. It's interesting because it was a very entertaining match, I think, for the neutral uh, I think if you asked either set of supporters, they both felt pretty bad about their teams after the game, which is interesting. Uh, there's a couple guys on each side. I mean, first of all, the game really exposes how, I mean, if we didn't know already, that neither of these teams is coming within sniffing distance of the title. Uh, they both have pronounced flaws. Uh, and, and players on either side who are basically net negatives, uh, weaknesses that you don't see in C- City or Liverpool's lineup specifically, for Arsenal, of course, Granit Xhaka uh, conceded that penalty for the second Spurs goal, which was totally needless tackle. He's conceded the most penalties uh, since 2016. I believe this was his fifth. Uh, for Spurs, their right side, they had to play Sanchez, Davison Sanchez at right back. He was totally exposed. Spurs still don't really have a proper right back or, or an experienced one, at least. Uh, Winks and Sissoko as a midfield is still pretty lightweight. And for Arsenal, you know, Emery is still kind of experimenting, you know, based on the opposition. And they started with the front three that everybody wanted, uh, Lacazette, Aubameyang, and Pepe. But a defensive middle three, and until Danny Ceballos was inserted in the second half, uh, there wasn't enough connection through the midfield uh, to the front three the way you see Liverpool or City do it. So both teams very flawed. I mean, it was a very entertaining game, but like I said, I think it left... Either side uh, or either uh, set of supporters frustrated that their team couldn't win. You know how 2-2 draws like have different feelings about them. Was this a 2-2 draw where both teams lost or was this a 2-2 draw where both teams escaped? I mean, I think for Arsenal, just going down and coming back, they have to feel a little bit better. Um, But again, I mean, I think if either side was a little bit better, a little more clinical, a little bit stronger, you know, they should have won. So... Uh, I don't. I think both teams leave thinking we probably should have won that game. I think if you're an Arsenal fan, you got to feel okay about this because yeah. I feel like they're still getting used to the team that they have. Um, they have some pretty thrilling attacking players. They do, and I feel like they had the bad bounces, whereas Spurs feels like they're grinding gears a little bit. And it, it, it's it, you know people have been looking you know talking a lot about it's like the, if you look at the last 15 league games. They don't seem to be clicking right now. Uh, I don't really understand sometimes all of like what their personnel, not not the personnel, but I don't understand how he lays it out sometimes. Like I'm not sure I get that midfield. 
Yeah, it feels like it is remarkably reliant on like solo efforts in order for like any of it to work. And it's yet another season that has started with this cloud hanging over it because of the way Levy does deals. Because of the way Daniel Levy does deals where he leaves it to the last second, kind of has everything hanging in limbo because he thinks he can extract the most amount of transfer value out of those kinds of situations. And they kind of just are now screwed because they like basically like benched Erickson for the first four games of the season. And, you know, obviously used him on uh, in the North London Derby, but it hasn't been properly integrated into the team, hasn't really gotten in-game experience with guys. Uh, is, is Sessignon played yet? Nope. Nope. No. I mean, like... I think just, he's still recovering from something. Yeah. I mean, Lo Celso in and out, like, and Dombelli looks great, but, like... I mean, he's been hurt, too. Yeah, yeah. he's been injured. It's just, it's just, like, a weird time for them where they, it feels like they never stopped playing... And they haven't really sh- like shrugged off the way last season ended. Yeah. yeah, and I think, I mean, you look at what you want to call like the typical top six or whatever, even though it looks like there might be some changes this season. If, if you were to take, you know, zoom way back out and you say, well, you know, against two of the other top six teams, you got draws. That's not the worst result in the world. But in both games, it's not like they looked fantastic. They were seriously outmatched versus City. Yeah. I mean, they've got a negative expected goal difference right now yeah. on it's, the year. It's, they, I mean, they're still probably the third most talented team in England. It's just at what point? But they're seven do things, points behind the leaders exactly. already. At, yeah. at what point do things start to click? They're, they're playing at yeah. a, a seven point deficit to Man City and Liverpool, or or five for Man City, seven to, to Liverpool. Like it's how, how pretty, many? It's pretty difficult. Exactly. How many weeks in of Leicester looking significantly better to them than them? Do we start to say, okay, maybe this isn't actually the team that we're expecting to finish? Them? Right. Yeah. The feeling of it is just like just miles away from what it was after they. Sweep past Ajax into the Champions League final last last spring. It was just kind of I don't like, know, I don't know about can, miles away. I, mean, I think it is. Away. I think I, it's. Yeah. I think it's a. I think it's a ways. Away. I think it's very different from how it felt at that time. From Pochettino collapsing on the field in tears after the game was over, and people being like, "This could be the start of something great." To now, he's in every other interview talking about like you know not giving. Not really rubbishing away any of the of the like of the not assuaging anybody's fears about anything. He's just kind of plainly stating things as they are. He did say after the match that after you know post European deadline window, he feels like everything will be settled. So, Michael, let me ask you a question. Uh, Nicholas Pepe, of course, Arsenal's star winger, or not star winger yet, but there's big purchase over the summer. Would you take? All right, so. Nic- Nicholas Pepe for Daniel James, who says no. <laughs> Wait, does what? <laughs> does does the money go back and forth in that trade? No, just one for one. Straight Michael. up, straight up, one for one. <laughs> wow. Because yeah. he's got a Daniel James tattoo on his I mean, chest right now. So it's I, I do have a Daniel James tattoo. Just on my so chest people right know, now. we're talking. Mike about is also Daniel sitting J- here shirtless. So Daniel yeah. James is a Welsh winger that United that, signed for fifteen for million for ten million, million. <laughs> and has already scored twice. Nicholas Pepe, and, 80 I mean, million. Just, just curling shit into the top <laughs> corner, too. It's like, it's very pretty goals. Yes. It has, and also plays with two feet. Yeah. Also plays with two feet and, like, it has Unlike what Nicholas the, Pepe. the pace. Oh, yeah, my let's goodness. just say I'm, I'm very unconvinced by Nicholas well, Pepe. Well, I Shot. mean, like, why are you so unconvinced? I mean, like, okay. I know that he, he could stand to play, like, in my estimation, like, 25 to 30% more simply. <laughs> but, like... Once he settles in, I think he's going to be, like, really, really good. I mean, this is what everyone says is, like, once he figures out his decision-making in the final third, he'll be better. And we've never heard but about that, about any young really, prospects I, before. I, I, it's it's just a weird thing to assume is going to happen because it, right now, it 
never looks like he's going to finish. And, uh, you know, I mean, four games into his Premier League career, sure. But he has that kind of uh, indecision that gives me a little Walcott flashbacks. Anyway, Shaka, I, I, cut, I, I cut you off. What were you going to say? I'm sorry. I'm just reeling from the Walcott comment. Uh, no, I just one last thing before we move on from this. Um, I think it's really important when looking at these three teams being United, Arsenal, and Tottenham to kind of think about where we are and how we were looking preseason. It almost, to me, feels kind of a little like a college football preseason polls mm. where we we come in with this preconceived notion, and now we're sitting in a place where it's only four games, but, I mean, United has, over both of them, a five-goal better expected goal difference. Yeah, it, it's yeah. not unlike college football where yeah. this would be like a Michigan losing their first game to a yeah. to a, a minnow, and mm. then they have to like spend the rest of the season convincing everybody that they're for real. Yeah. These teams are now going to have to really put ass whippings on like everybody below them. Absolutely. And, for, and, and it, it's it's a tough thing because you're just not, unless there's massive injuries at Liverpool or City, it's hard to imagine them dropping a significant amount of points. No, And to, to United's credit, they started their season with an ass whipping. Yeah. It's just like everything since then has been a little lackluster. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, the Champions League draw was held uh, in between this episode and the last. Uh, I'm not going to go and read every single group, but certain groups stand out. Uh, Group F, Barcelona, Dortmund, Inter, and Slavia Prague. Did you guys see uh, in the draw when uh, Group F, Slavia Prague was announced into the group and they showed kind of like the chairman (laughs) or the, you know, staff of the team kind of, there was a guy that was laughing nervously as, as as the team's name was being called into that group of death. I didn't see that. No. <laughs> I didn't see that, but that is makes just, sense. That's an unfortunate way to make out. That, there. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like that man should just go up to the to UEFA, like ask for his check for the uh, the group stage winnings and leave. Why why run the players out? He was like giggling slash crying. It was funny. But anyway, any of these groups stand out to you guys? The only thing I, I would just mention is that's a lot of traveling for Man City. Yeah, uh, I don't know that we we've, we I don't think I've read any like coherent stuff in a while about like. I mean, obviously they're flying private. I'm sure they'll be fine, but uh, Ukraine and Croatia are are not short distances, and that's that's a lot of travel for those guys. Uh, Liverpool is drawn in with Napoli, Salzburg, and Genk. It's going to be a really fun group. It's going to be just lots of goals. Yeah, the I was like, I think that um, Group B has a lot of vibes. Just the Bayern, Spurs, Olympiacos. That those are just some great stadiums. I think. Chelsea in with Ajax, Valencia, and Lille. Who's, in, uh, who's, our, uh, who's our traditional power that's not going to make it out of this group? Well, or I, any of these groups? I, I would have some concerns for Chelsea. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ajax and Valencia. Ajax and Valencia. They just, yeah. I mean, those are a lot of kids who have not, they, yeah. they don't know what it means to go to those places necessarily. I, I have faith in, just looks up, Mason, Mason Mount, totally. <laughs> Mason Mount is my guy. All right, let's move on to the Top story of the week, unfortunately. Uh, racist abuse. Again, in European football, a uh, few incidents over the weekend. Uh, Kurt Zuma of Chelsea was responsible for, uh, he had an own goal uh, in Chelsea's 2-2 draw with Sheffield United. Received racial abuse via social media after the match. And that's following Marcus Rashford, Paul Pogba receiving uh, racist abuse on social media following their penalty misses. Uh, and then uh, Romelu Lukaku uh, for Inter uh, had a penalty and was being racially taunted by the Cagliari fans. Not for the first time, of course. Moises Keane last year 
uh, when he was for Juve, playing for Juve. Matuidi has suffered racial abuse there. I don't know, guys. I mean, it seems like we talk about it too often. One of the more um, interesting things that come out of this this week is the amount of conversation happening about the platforms themselves. Yeah. So Lampard specifically calling out social media platforms and and saying that they needed to do more in this and also uh, kick it out, saying that they want to that they're going to be talking with Twitter about this. I wish them the best of luck. Yeah. Nobody else seems to be able to get yeah, these places that, to fix this fucking problem. But uh, you know, now it's becoming this really vicious cycle of. Every time something like this happens, there's 15 news stories about it. There's and it seems 15 to almost news in- stories about it. Everybody yeah. is always surprised. It's always the worst thing ever. And everybody is just kind of like, this needs to change. But there can't actually be any actionable steps put to it because the issue is a cultural one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, even if you did the thing that probably would matter the most, which is points. Yeah. You know, you just yeah. start docking people points. If, you're, if your fans are racially abusing another team's players, you, you lose the game. And it's almost like the Lampard calling on social media actually almost made me angry because it's him just passing the blame somewhere else. It's, I mean, Chelsea has a history of this. The PSG and, I mean, yeah. well, I don't know what you do to solve it other than points, other than significant consequences. It's a, it's a, I, I would have to imagine, uh, obviously people do it because they have hate in them, yeah. but they also do it to get attention. And now we're in a situation where that this behavior is getting the most attention maybe it's ever gotten. On one hand, that's really good because it identifies the problem and puts a microscope on it. And on another hand, I feel like it's going to happen more before it gets better. Yeah, I, I was sure. listening. Jack's to, I not think, banning football. the Nazis. Right. So. I would think I was listening. And I can't remember. It might have been Football Weekly, but somebody was suggesting that perhaps the idea that there's rampant racial abuse on social media is being overblown because after these incidents, maybe tabloid reporters or bloggers are just searching uh, players' names and just collecting uh, tweets from people with like two or three followers. Obviously, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but maybe it's kind of overstating how much of an issue it is. Do you put any credence to that? I would think that somebody would have to experience that to be saying anything about it. Fair. Uh, did you guys hear Graham Saunas' comments about Moises Keane? I did. Yeah. <laughs> he basically suggested on Sky Sports that the reason Moises Keane was sold by Juventus uh, to Everton at kind of a cut rate price is because of some quote unquote off the field issues that he was totally speculating about. And there's. I mean, like, had zero base for anything. Does he even know anything about Moises Keane's like. Contract situation. He had a year left on his contract. Juventus is trying to move players out we of the door. We just talked about this with the yeah. They were yeah. not going to give him like, a big deal. And yeah. he was just like, uh, Everton's going to pay me what I want. And uh, start me. Yeah, and start mm-hmm. me. I think I'm just going to go. That was the end of it. Nobody yeah. has ever said anything bad He's about- actually got like, whoever's agent is actually did a good job because he's like, this dude goes to Everton and scores 20 goals. He's going to get, uh, he's going to get a crazy blockbuster deal from PSG, from yeah. Real Madrid, or hell, even Juventus again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Juventus exactly. is not scared Bring of buying back. back dudes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, this is just bad punditry. This is just straight up, like, lazy, bad punditry. Uh, Sunus is, like, sometimes has interesting things to say, sometimes has nuanced things to say. But He this is, is like, regularly hating on young back players, Yeah, though. of course, that's, man. He's just, like, this is just bad fucking lazy punditry yeah. by a, a guy who maybe, like, has probably lost his fastball. Yeah. He, comp- so, he, he compared him to Adebayor, too, which was oh, really please. a very oh strange God. analogy. Come but it, it's <laughs> part of the broader problem that Raheem Sterling has alluded to last year, last season, and, and beyond uh, about kind of the broad strokes that black footballers are painted with being young, black, and in, talented. Usually in a negative light, and that, and this is part of that. 
Uh, should be said though that I, I read today that uh, Roberto Mancini has suspended Keane and uh, Zaniolo, I believe, uh, from the Italian national team for showing up late to a meeting. All right, let's go on to the soundbite of the week. <laughs> what? Sorry, I was going to say, why is that pertinent right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess showing la- showing up late to a, a meeting is kind of a disciplinary infraction. So, I mean, that just seems like a, a false parallel. But yeah. All right, well, forget I said that. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Soundbite of the week. Eric Cantona at the Champions League draw. Uh, as flies to wanton boys, we are for the gods. They kill us for the sport. Soon the science will not only be able to slow down the aging of the cells. Soon the science will, be, will fix the cells to the state. And so we become eternal. Only <laughs> accidents, crimes, wars will still kill us. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football. Thank you. <laughs> well, imagine oh, Eric Cantona shit. hosting a podcast. <laughs> Maybe we you should have to listen. Really with Cantona. Uh, like that was that was uh, the, the pregnant pauses. Listen, shouts to my guy who read exactly one page of Eduardo Galeano and was like, "I'm just going to freestyle." Yeah, I mean, it's just it, this is why I love football. <laughs> this is why these guys like this. Yeah. Oh, All man. that was missing was Treyway. <laughs> but anyway, you guys. Saw the speech, heard the speech. I mean, no, this is the, this is the first I'm. Uh, I've been graced with it. It's this hard. It's hard. You, ha- you have to imagine for anybody who's just sort of casually listening. Imagine this happening at the NCAA tournament draw. Like, imagine <laughs> this happening at the like NFL Awards? opening night of the Masters or something. Like, it's hard to imagine something like this weird happening Charles Barkley taking the mic and giving this speech but this is like UEFA's like one of their like marquee events is the draw this is no this is like Bill Walton like doing like color commentary for Oregon basketball games but like on a national yeah just talking about bridges like except doing it on you know like one of the biggest stages (laughs) in the world (laughs) well also at that awards ceremony slash draw Virgil van Dyke. He is UEFA's Player of the Year, beating out Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. Congrats, Chris. All right, so let's go to our 50-50 ball of the week. That's what we're calling it. It's a question, actually, I'm posing to the panel. Uh, We were kind of talking about it earlier, about the top six. Every year, every season, we talk about, well, it used to be a top four, but now it's a top six. Which team that didn't finish in the top six the previous season can possibly break into it? Uh, There's some strong contenders this year, Everton. Leicester, Crystal Palace is in the top four right now. People still love Wolves. I'll start with you, Shocker. Who do you think has the best chance? I really think it's Leicester. I mean, they have just looked genuinely really great this year so far. Um, I mean, Vardy's getting a little older, sure. But this team is still, I mean, getting results. You look at their expected goals right now. And I, I know <laughs> I'm really I'm just gonna, bringing up the ex- expected goals. It's my goals favorite one, for, man. Right. They, I mean, it's not high. They're not really getting that many goal scoring opportunities, but they're not allowing them either. Uh, you can't lose if the other team doesn't score that much on you. And 
Last, I mean, as long as they can just be competent for the rest of the way, they're just going to finish, I think, fifth or sixth. No Europe. It's huge. Mm-hmm. No Europe is a huge, no, huge thing. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I mean, Wolves is a- are actually playing pretty well in getting into the Europa League. Yeah, they're they going beat around, Torino. They're going I mean, out to like Torino it's... and winning. Like, they they almost seem to be concentrating on that. Maybe they think, let's let's make a really good Europa League run and we'll, the, the ship will write itself in the domestic game. Yeah, but three points from four games. I it's think it tough. Is. Europa League Thursdays, th- you know, playing Thursdays is tough. And I think that, that they're going to have, like, a tough, tough road. But... I, I I love Leicester right now. Like I, they're they're young, they're interesting. Rogers seems like he's like found the right level where he wants to coach at. There's a couple of good articles this week that I read about like how he's kind of like done some self assessment about like some of the mistakes he made at Liverpool, and now that he's come back from Scotland, you know what he wants to do differently, and he seems to be getting like a really really high return on a lot of his players right now. They're so young. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like in contrast to Tottenham. They play the Maguire situation absolutely perfectly, where they just got like a shit ton of money, and they they always knew that they were going to get. Um, and yeah, I, uh, Teamins looks great. So really, really fun team. Yeah, their next two matches actually, Leicester's are against United and also Spurs after that. So that should be a good test to see how strong they are. Nobody here is bullish on Everton. Then no, I actually am. I think that they have. Uh, I mean, like they've what they were missing. Um, as they shored up their defense was goals, and now they seem to be finding those. I mean, uh, like, Moise Kim was a great addition. Alex Wobie's been doing well. Also, like, Gilfie Sigerson was really good in, in that uh, 3-2 win over Wolves. Um, it's an interesting, we've been talking about front threes, Liverpool, Arsenal, etc. They started, uh, Everton did, against Wolves with Moises Kim, Alex Wobie, and Richarlison as, like, a front three, which is... A really dynamic, kind of exciting attacking it's front. It's yeah. a league pass. It's front, really right? yeah. It's a, yeah, it is a league pass team. Um, yeah, similar to Arsenal, though they also concede a lot of goals. Stupid that's goals. True. Um, any other contenders you guys see? West Ham is playing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's really early to suggest. I I think I, I would almost feel more confident talking about the teams that I don't think are going to do it. Whether it's like uh, obviously Watford, who had had. Fairly decent, a fairly decent run of it, but have just really dropped off a completely cliff. like yeah. the muffler dropped off. Like as soon as they started the car this season, um, you know, I kind of I kind of like a little bit of what I've seen of, of Southampton this season, although I think top six might be a bit much. Yeah, I think Everton and Leicester are probably the safest bets, though. Brighton, top six, book it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the final segment, the segment that's sweeping the nation. Based off a viral Michael Peters catchphrase. <laughs> you hate to see that. It's not my catchphrase. I just said it on on video. And noted noted barstool aficionado Micah Peters. Well, please, Stooly Micah. May God actually, bless can you we specify with extreme actually, relaxation of the limbs. The, <laughs> the viral catchphrase is "You hate to see it," but Micah, your your specific customized catchphrase is "You hate to see that." <laughs> Trademark. <laughs> Trademark. All right, I'm going to start. You hate to see that. Of course, the worst swap ever in Premier League history is what they're calling it. Mkhitaryan and Alexis Sanchez after 21 months, merciful end. Mkhitaryan going to Roma. Alexis Sanchez going to Inter. Let me just read off their stats. First and foremost, the stat for Alexis Sanchez is he's the highest paid Premier League player, and he netted five goals and nine assists in 45 appearances. 
Mkhitaryan only slightly better, nine goals, 13 assists, and 59 appearances. But they each leave at least one indelible memory, and those were both on social media. Alexis Sanchez, of course, when introduced as a United player, had a very long and cheesy piano-playing performance. You remember that, Micah? Uh Listen, go, I, at the time, I thought it was it. really hot. That, that, <laughs> like, <laughs> playing Glory, Glory, Man United on the piano at center, center field at Old Trafford was a lot. Yeah. And Mkhitaryan, when he was announced on Twitter for Arsenal, had the famous Pierre Bourne line, Playboy Cardi line. Yo, Pierre, you want to come out here? And then a week later, Obama Yang signed for Arsenal. So It's it's like, not even a fun what if to be like, what if Sanchez had gone to City? Because like it literally wouldn't have changed City at all. Yeah. That's the annoying <laughs> thing about City is like they could lose three amazing players and probably still be City. So it's, I was trying to think of like, what are the interesting angles on this Sanchez story? And it, it there aren't any. He's just an incredibly <laughs> expensive player who's very good, but hasn't been good in a while. And inexplicably, like, just was not played by Manchester United. So, I mean, it's interesting hypothetical, though. If Sanchez had gone to see, I hadn't even thought of that. I and mean, he'd probably be like a Mares type sort of, you know, power off the bench, but play regularly and be effective. My You Hate to See That is the OG from uh, Cool Bayi. Oh, am, I, am I getting oh, there? Right? Man. Uh, yeah, um, cool volume that like gifting from the Juventus game of the that... weekend. If you guys get a chance, I think you could probably rewatch the the replay on um on ESPN Plus. It's Juve and Napoli, and it was like it was like watching an NFC Championship game. It was so good, and uh, Delict looked a little out of his depth playing <laughs> center back for Juventus. Napoli looked really smooth. Like I just, it was a lot of like. A lot of shots on target, just like a high volume of of actions, and it was just really, really, really fun. But heartbreak city, my my guy, oh, <laughs> my guy, like, and it was cool like volley, like the the oak tree. Back and it's there. like the, there's a couple of different kinds of of own goal. The worst kind is the I'm trying to deflect it, and it winds up looking like I meant to score it. So it <laughs> beautiful goes volley, t- top shelf. Uh, so it was it was really a hell of a volley, Man, it was, and he had the classic. Reaction to an own goal Co- when he just crumpled the to the ground. Just it was like the pl- to the ground, straight <sighs> platoon. Yeah. All right. Who's next, Micah? I would have felt that your you hate to see that was uh, Socrates having the goal called back and not letting y'all complete the comeback in the North London <laughs> Derby. That was, uh, you know, um, Kolasinac, man. You 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 live by the door. You live by the sword. You die by the sword. Mine is actually not. 100% something that happened on the field. It's some a report that came out this morning that says that Juve is lining up for a free transfer for Willian. And I'm sitting here like, remember when Barcelona two years ago was like, we'll give you 50 million pounds for this winger that shouldn't be starting for you anyway. Man. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, it he's too, going it's out too late though, right? right now. Yeah, it's... It'll be for January. A free transfer. Just love to give away. Why do disrespect Willian so much? I like him. I just would rather they played Callum Hudson-Odoi. Yeah, well, I mean, like, it's, it's really, you know... Hudson still got his Achilles already. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that, like, William, the the universe will reach perfect entropy and, like, the oceans will vaporize and he'll still be putting in a 7 out of 10 performance. <laughs> it's just that it's, like, rarely is it, like, 9 or 10 out of 10. Yeah. It's been a while. I mean, yeah. it's not as bad as Victor Moses, but I think there's always a guy... Shout, Every team has just a one Quadrado who was also supposed to be that guy, and he just <laughs> gave up on. Actually, I have a question. 
uh, Chris, since you're a Liverpool fan, mm. when we talked about City and Liverpool teams that are basically stacked with no glaring weaknesses, but every team still kind of has a supporter, uh, has a scapegoat that people rail on when things aren't going well. Is there even a scapegoat on Liverpool's team right now? Not anymore. Or somebody that player. Yeah, it's, really it's like because now it used to be Hendo a little bit. It, but. it was Hendo for a little bit, but Henderson captain a Champions League winning Liverpool side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matip has become like a cult hero. There's really not. They have the two best fullbacks in Europe. They have the best center back in Europe. The backup goalkeeper. Everybody's just kind of like, look, what do you want? You bought him like a week <laughs> before the season started. And then the midfield. I think that the only kind of scapegoat right now is Keita, just because it, he's got the chronic injuries are starting to be like. I think people are like, what's the deal with this dude? Is he ever going to be able to play? And when he does, it just seems like he needs a lot of time to get get into the mix. Yeah. So he's been somebody that guys gotten picked on a little bit. Um, yeah, that's it. I mean, just, Divock just, Origi, just, they're going to build a statue to that guy. So it's just yeah. like anybody who I can think of who's like had like troubles in the past with the fan base is now also a god. And then Lovren just straight up doesn't play anymore, so it right. doesn't matter. Dexy doesn't play. <laughs> and and who who would it be for City? Is there anyone on City you think that their fans are kind of sick of or want to see the back of? No, you'd have to ask Tyler Tynes. Uh, it's... <laughs> I think Stones because sometimes he does like a few too many Cruyff turns. Mm-hmm. You know. And, and they're pretty yeah. short they on center a lot of stones. They might be seeing a they're lot of stones to. now. now yeah, the report is yeah. up. Yeah. Anyway, guys, on that note, we're heading into an international break. Germany's playing Netherlands on Friday. At Euro 2020 qualifiers are starting. Uh, and then the Premier League and the rest of Europe returns the following week. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. Until then, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Donnie. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you, listeners. I'll see you in two weeks. Peace.